Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Men's semi-finals decided. We will be having one Martin Del Potro in his first U.S. Open final, his first Grand Slam final since 2009, up against Novak Djokovic in the final on Sunday. You join Simon Briggs from The Telegraph and myself, David Law, on the media bus, about to pull away from Flushing Meadows. And Catherine Whittaker will be with us fairly soon in the late in the second part of the podcast. But Simon, want to get your thoughts on what we've seen tonight. It's been a bit underwhelming, I think it's fair to say. Well, yes, we had a, a retirement in the first match after two sets. Um, Rafa was uh, clearly very upset, as you would expect. It's the second time this season he's had to abandon a, a slam match after the quarterfinal of the Australian Open. I guess the two hard-court slams, maybe there's not a coincidence there. Um, and then uh, Novak gave... Nishikori a bit of a schooling it was a high quality match but but one that lacked a little bit of dramatic texture because Djokovic came out so strong and uh, you just never thought that he was going to be in trouble and, and indeed he wasn't no he, he wasn't and the, the shame of it all and the slightly weird feeling of it all is that when Del Potro and Nadal first got out there I mean the the intensity was so extreme even before they struck a ball the way they came out like heavyweight boxers and they were jumping around like jack-in-the-boxers out there you know just straining to get at each other and the first sort of four games five games were fantastic the first set was a tie break it was more than an hour long and yet Nadal said afterwards that he felt something go at two all in the first set and I mean he, he, he was absolutely devastated you could see it in his face throughout that certainly throughout the early stages of the second set he tried everything didn't he in that first set he he managed to claw a break back got himself into the tie break but you know he, he, he was not even competitive in the second set yeah he said later that uh, it wasn't a tennis match by the end it was one guy playing tennis and the other guy just staying on the other side of the net uh, it was just too painful to continue uh, he's He's retired in three slam matches only, two of them this year. The first one was, apparently it was the same day, uh, ten years ago, at the US Open when Andy Murray was playing him in the semi-final. Was that uh, Andy's first... Uh, first Grand Slam final. First Grand Slam final, so uh, it's an echo, echoes there, but, um, you know, he, he, he looked a little bit concerned. He said it was more of an aggressive pain than he was used to in his knee, because normally it, 
it's a progressive one. This one he actually felt go in a little bit of a sharp way. But then he said, look, I still think it's basically the same thing. You know, it's, it's not going to be a six-month injury. I'm, I don't think I'm just going to have to work through it like I've done in the past, you know, a few weeks of uh, rehab and, and get back on the court. One of the things that, that really struck me was, I think, maybe his last answer or his last but one answer in that press conference, when he, he explained that he was asked about the comparisons between what Federer and and Djokovic have gone through with their injuries recently, you know, and he was he was quite miffed at that, and he, he made the point. Well, hold on, they haven't had anything like injuries that I've had over the years. I've missed so many slams, you know. That I I thought you got a real insight into into how his mind worked in that answer. That he's it was kind of like I've done all this in spite of my injuries. Yeah, like imagine <laughs> how many slams I would have if my body hadn't betrayed me. I guess people would always <coughs> have said, I mean, he admitted that uh, there's always been a concern about his style of play, and he said, nobody in this room, and I include myself in that, would have imagined I would be here at 32, playing for big titles, number one in the world. So yeah, that was a, a sort of an acknowledgement that there is something in the theory that his hell for leather, uh, dueling, kind of never give up, never say die approach does take it out of him the knees have obviously been the biggest issue but of course when you read his autobiography there was the whole period with the the strange bone in his foot that never developed wasn't there which he has to have special shoes developed for and who knows how much that has sort of set off a chain reaction that's gone up his body one man that he certainly can't outdo in terms of injury woe is the man that beat him today one martin del patro uh, would you say, I mean, I certainly feel as though I thought this would never happen um, if we were to go back, say, two, three years. Del Potro would effectively have said the same thing in his post-match interview, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, the, the thing that struck me in the first set was the way that he was hitting his backhand. There was an early point, wasn't there, when Rafa came in uh, to the Del Potro double-hander, which would have been a bankable tactic couple of years ago because he wouldn't be able to do anything but, but slice but this time he just walloped it up the line with uh, 80 or 90 mile an hour sort of speed on the ball and it was just coming off both wings with almost equal ferocity well not that's not quite true is it but only the only reason that's not quite true is because the forehand is so absurdly huge and the backhand was still big and strong and powerful and, and was winning uh, points cleanly as well before Rafa started to seize up so that's a massive uh, bonus for Del Potro he's almost developed the rest of his game to cover for that weakness and now he's got that back and the rest of his game's come on he's a better player than he's ever been but having said that he's got to play Novak in the next round and the record is I think 14 wins for Djokovic 4 defeats uh, four wins for, for 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 Del Potro. He beat him at the Olympics, didn't he, a couple of years ago? Uh, first round, seven six seven six. He's had other wins. He had that. I'm trying to think what other wins he's had against Djokovic. I, I saw them earlier, but I mean, he was beaten in five was sets. One of them in Indian Wells. Yeah. Oh, actually, and that was an amazing match. Six. Something like four six six four six four, brilliant match. Um, there was the win for Djokovic in five sets at Wimbledon in the semi-finals. The year that Andy Murray won Wimbledon and beat Djokovic in the final. Um, how do you think that they they measure up those two? Because uh, you're quite right. I thought Djokovic Djokovic looked tonight as good as he's ever looked to me. Yeah, you feel like you could probably wrap all the other players into a 
composite and send them out to face Novak and he'd probably gun them down uh, the way he's, he's, he's playing it, it feels like a final where you, you, you'll go in hoping for a great match but not expecting one um, because his level's been just so outrageous and <laughs> the other factor might be the crowd because the, the, the noise for Del Potro tonight was incredible he had his own cheer squad in the deck just above me in the stadium on the balcony there but then on the upper bowl there was like there was a, there was a chant going on from the cheer squad and then there was a, a they were going ole ole Del Po and then there was the just the long kind of Del Po Del Po simultaneously so the two sort of rhythms like, like a kind of piece of modernist music simultaneously during, during some of the changeovers in the first set before the match began to um, lose some of its edge and that was incredible. I mean, I, I remember Roger playing Novak here in the final three years ago, was it? And it was yeah. probably the most one-sided crowd you can remember. But even then, they weren't chanting in quite the way that they were tonight. So that happens in the final. Well, it's going to be a great atmosphere, but it might just perk Novak up even more. His, his, his performances this year, when people have been giving him a bit of jip in the crowd have been even better than the rest of his performances well there was the moment tonight when Nishikori started to make it competitive in the second set and at the start of it he, he played some fabulous stuff and Djokovic was just fighting it off he was just having none of it, it didn't matter how hard Nishikori hit the ball at him it was coming back with interest he was sliding into the ball and all this stuff and then but it was close and, and at 2-1 Djokovic serving he missed a first serve and some people in the cloud, crowd applauded applauded his fault and he just looked up at them and he just sort of smirked as if to say yeah classy and get lost and then he went and just started winning again and and I thought that is the old Djokovic just not having it you know not going to pretend it's not happening he's going to he's going to let you know he's heard you and yet he's going to sort you out as a result of it I mean I thought that was great and then and then when he went two sets up, he, he'd been so quiet all the way through the match, and then suddenly he just exploded with emotion. Actually, it puts one in mind of the great Jonathan Overend line, doesn't it, during that rare victory for Murray over Novak at, at Wimbledon in, is it 2013? And, and Jonathan said that when Novak began to, to come back from the dead at the very end, he didn't quite make it back from the dead, but he, he looked like he might, and, uh, and Jonathan said he, he's stroking his white cat like a Bond villain. Um, <laughs> he, do, he does occupy that territory, even though I, you know, I don't think he sets out to, but he, he has that defiance in him, doesn't he? And he's quite... If you're going to... Fine, if you're going to come for him, he's going he's gonna to be there to, to meet you head on. I guess as soon as I arrived here and I heard um, the tournament saying that they would, they'd slowed down the courts, he thought, well, that's going to be music to, to Novak's ears. He's clearly uh, the greatest defender the game's ever seen his movement is uh, off the charts he's he's got that, that kind of bounce back in in his legs he just seems to soak up the impact so, so has he dropped a set has he dropped one set in the- Dro- dropped one set hasn't he yeah on the way to to this point um, against Tennis Sangren actually yeah right but otherwise I mean it's been a struggle for the rest of them Novak's had a couple of moments in the heat when he's called the doctor for a pill and I, I, I'm guessing it's an anti-nausea pill and he did talk about the, uh, the difficulty of, of breathing at the bottom but he's never really seemed to be in much danger has he it, it, compared to the rest of them who've, who've really been struggling remember Del Potro 
deliberately leaving balls to go past in his quarter-final against John Isner because he was conserving energy for his own service games. Um, so Djokovic being the one person who's, even in conditions which he traditionally has struggled with, has just sailed on regardless. It just um, seems untouchable, really. I mean, it felt a little bit written when we arrived, as I say, and heard about the court change, and then just seems to be going according to the script. Another retirement for Nadal, a couple of them this year. It led to immediate uh, Twitter avalanche about uh, best of five sets from our good friend Ben Rothenberg. And for somebody who doesn't use Twitter that much, I suddenly noticed you becoming very active, uh, Simon. So where do you stand on all this now? I'm not convinced about uh, best of three in, in, in uh, Grand Slam, but I just wanted to point out that you've got to accept the pattern exists. Um, because if you think about late matches, uh, showpiece matches, big ticket matches at slams this year, and, and even going back into last year, a lot of them have been affected by players running out of gas. So obviously Rafa twice this year, Kyle Edmund in Australia, um, Del Potro in Paris, um, the final of Wimbledon, the final of Wimbledon last year, that was a blister. I mean, it's a little bit different, but it's still a workload issue. It's just, there is a, there is a, there is a pattern. And what cannot be forgotten is that the game gets more physical every year. The players get better and deeper. And then tournaments like the US Open, they make the decision to slow the course down. And then we've had hotter weather everywhere we've gone this year and it's all building up to make it pretty tough and fine you know gladiators uh, guys who train incredibly hard athletes uh, the, the ultimate test so on and so on but at the point when you're actually getting showpiece matches which are not delivering and you're getting flat days at the end of tournaments that's the point at which you just have to accept there's a pattern and you've got to start a debate it doesn't mean that you, you're, going to get a, you're going to get rid of best of five sets I'm not saying that I'm saying that if people are not acknowledging there's a pattern then they're deluding themselves. No, I accept, I accept the pattern, certainly. One thing I would say, though, is the guys that have dominated this sport for the last 15 years, more in Federer's case, they're still there in their 30s, mid-30s. You know, 30, well, OK, 31, Murray and Djokovic, 32, Nadal, 33, Vavrinka, 37, Federer. If five set was so damaging how would they still be doing this after all that time in in arguably the greatest era we've ever had yeah I mean I guess uh, we, we may have lost <laughs> the British uh, uh, con- member of that contingent for the moment haven't we he played a couple of matches here Andy Murray but, he, but workload appears to have got to him quite significantly not done yet um, no but slowing down and uh, looking for a different way of going about his tennis business from here on in lots of players that have been retired at 31 in the past um, I mean my argument was less about probably the, the players I mean there is, a, there, is a, there is a health factor there but maybe more about tournaments and, and, and what it does to a tournament when when you, you you may not be talking about lengthy issues I mean <laughs> a blister was one of the dimension issues I mentioned um, Del Potro had some sort of groin thing in Paris didn't he Kevin Anderson was purely fatigued at Wimbledon. So those things are things you can recover from. But I'm more talking about the effect of matches on the biggest stages 
which are affected by workload in, the, in that tournament. So what do you think of my idea of having the first four rounds, three sets, uh, for both men and women, and then switching both to best of five sets for the sort of showpiece matches so that you really give those a bit of elevation and but you preserving players in the first week and then maybe they've got more left in the tank? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a possible option. Uh, the only thing that strikes me is that the system would lend itself to supporting the established order because anyone coming in for the first time who breaks into a, a second week will will have a disadvantage against a, a regular second weeker because best of five sets is something that I mean some players adjust to it faster than others but there's quite a few guys you look at Zverev maybe Kyle Edmund took a while to get the hang of it um, it, it's not something that, that you necessarily adapt to quickly so that, that's, that's one concern Interesting, yeah Just a, a final thought going into the weekend now how does your story layout look and your priority order look here you know in terms of what 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 is the priority we've got Serena Williams against Naomi Osaka tomorrow we've got Del Potro against Djokovic in the men's final what what is what are the stories for you um well it's just uh Jamie Murray is the other one that we, that, we, that we need to mention, isn't it? Yeah, he's in the mixed uh, doubles final tomorrow at 5pm uh, UK time. I'm just, I'm just curious as sort of, you know, what's, what is the best story left here for you as a journalist? Well, I guess the women's final, on the face of it, is a more uh, appetising match than the men's, unless Del Potro makes it closer than I'm expecting. Um, if Del Potro can do a Vavrinka and, and you know, Vavrinka's twice uh, taken Djokovic down in these massive matches by overpowering him, Del Potro has the same firepower, so he could do that. On the face of it, I would have thought that the Serena Osaka match has got more um, plot lines and, and a better chance of being a ripper. Um, we've got a couple of previews in the paper coming up from Greg Wazewski, who's written a piece uh, in tomorrow's paper about the women's final is going to do the men's final um, and yeah obviously mixed doubles are going to get a look in and why is this bus not moved yeah I tell you it's, we're just sitting here basically these these buses are supposed to go every half an hour but Simon Briggs and myself we've been here for now 17 minutes and 32 seconds talking to you here on the tennis podcast but it's a good opportunity to have done so we're now going to get back to Manhattan and go home I'm going to go and get a beer with Catherine to finish off the pod um but yeah, just as a very final point, Serena Williams trying for her twenty-fourth Grand Slam singles title, Naomi Osaka for her first. In a way, they're they're both quite good stories, those aren't they? Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, it's extraordinary in a number of ways, not least because of the sort of way that the Osaka sisters parallel the Williams sisters. There's an eighteen-month age gap between them. Their father Francois tried to bring them up um, in deliberate imitation of the Richard Williams method um, and when Azarka was asked who her idols were she said uh, my mum Serena and Beyonce <laughs> brilliant hey listen to that round of applause inside the bus and the reason is because it's moving see you soon When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. 
Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. So from the media bus with Simon Briggs of The Telegraph to Catherine Whittaker in the lobby sitting with champagne here as uh, we uh, look back on day 12 of the US Open uh, in which uh, Catherine's been presenting uh, for Amazon Prime Video UK the home of the US Open in the UK our partners over this uh, period and Catherine very nice of you to have got (laughs) champagne out for my birthday how nice and cake, no less. Yeah. Any, I mean, really, any excuse for champagne and cake, frankly, on day 12 of a Grand Slam. But uh, your birthday is just that. I've got a beer. I've got a champagne glass. Well, I didn't know if you... you <laughs> my dad always does that annoying thing where he says yes to a glass of champagne just to join in, but doesn't actually like it very much. Right. So it's like, you're sort of looking at him going... Mm, that's just a waste of a glass of champagne, Dad. Right, well, okay. So I got your backup beer. You're not drinking mine, I'm telling Um, you that. But you do really seem to enjoy it, so that's fine. As long as you're enjoying it, that's fine. I'm delighted with both, so that's fine. (laughs) So uh, Two two, two different drinks law. It's not as catchy, is it? Simon Briggs and I have been through the various stories of the day on the whole, but uh, we want to have your flavour of what's gone on. I mean, what did you think of it all? Well, let's be honest, match-wise, entertainment-wise, drama-wise, it was all very disappointing. Um, I'm desperately sorry for Nadal, Um, desperately. I mean, he was inconsolable in that press conference, wasn't he? Um, And and looked pretty depressed during the match, that second set. He He was so gutted. He was actually on the verge of tears. I mean, that's two grand slams the greatest competitive animal the sport has ever seen has had to retire from in a year two Grand Slam semi-finals I mean that'll just kill him you um, had one of them in your studio in Jimmy Connors I mean phew, it must be so hard for these people to accept 
Yeah. Um, I mean, there are many things that Jimmy Connor said today in the studio that were, I mean, he, he was basically like springing out of his chair, sort of wanting to jump into the television monitor in our studio. He wanted to be out there himself so much. <laughs> he could barely contain himself. And, you, you know, I asked him, is there anything? Is a tiny part of the reason that these guys, these legends, are still out here doing what they're doing at their ages. And okay, Nadal's only 32, but you know what I mean. Is it a slight fear of retirement and not being able to find anything to replace? And he thought he said, well, I've never found anything to remotely place, replace the feeling of walking out onto the stage for Grand Slam semi-finals. And there was a real, like, sort of harrowing look in his eye. You know, he said, it's not that I've not been happy. I've had a family and it's all been great, but nothing's ever replaced that. And no. I think about it every day. Yeah. Um, and, I, and Nadal is the one I worry for the most. You know, Federer will go and be a... CEO of something, Djokovic will be a politician, Murray will be a, a coach or an analyst or a campaigner or something. What's Nadal going to do? Is he going to mm. fish? Well, I mean, I think he'll he'll have things that he feels very passionate about, like his academy. I could see of him course, do things like that. But day but, to day, you know, what's going to occupy him day to day? Because yeah. he's not going to day to day be at a desk in a suit in his, at his academy, is he? Yes, he's obviously completely committed to it. Great, but he's not going to do that I think he? he will coach you know I think, I think because then he could channel himself look how, look how he was at the Labour Cup last year yeah. so I think he he's the perfect Davis Cup captain really yes. uh, if you think of yeah. that image of him in the Labour Cup I think he's that kind of person he needs something you could imagine him to, did, as did a football manager he's a football manager did Spain support the changes they did didn't they no I can't remember now. Uh, I think, I think they did. I can't remember. Uh, but anyway, I I, th- I could see him doing that. Yeah, but yeah. It's I d- I just got a sort of glimpse of Nadal without the 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 adrenaline of competition coursing mm. through his veins in that press conference, and it was a it was a bleak bleak place. Yeah, because he was he was so torn wasn't he in that match do I retire don't I retire I, I'm not somebody who retires this isn't me I don't do this but yeah, I've got to retire yeah uh, he, uh, he must have been in agony I can only assume he was in agony um, and the, the other thing I have to say is I really really felt for Dominic team I really did because it that team Nadal match was one where I don't care who won the won the last point. Team deserved to go through as well, really. And yeah. <laughs> the fact that you know what I know that's just how it works. But uh, what agony for him! Yeah, to, and it's to not know Nadal's that, fault. I mean, of course you know, it's not. He, he came bouncing out the traps like of nobody's course it's business. Not. I'm not today. suggesting that for a moment, no. but it's just tough for him, isn't it? it? Is, it's a tough yeah. one to take that. You know that competitive place in the semi-final. That you know Nadal wasn't in a position to fulfil the opportunity today. Mm. Um, so that opportunity just didn't exist. It's not like the opportunity then goes to the next pla- best placed person. No. But it's okay because he's posted a video, a, a photo on Instagram. He's already back home with his lovely Labrador. So most of my sympathy has evaporated because. I mean, I'd quite like to be with his lovely Labrador. Labrador envy. Great, yeah. Right. So, <laughs> the only better place than being in a Grand Slam semi-final is by the side of a Labrador. Yeah. 
or sitting with champagne telling yeah, me so, on yeah. the podcast um, <laughs> but uh, yeah I, and that wonderful em- embrace between them uh, between Nadal and Del Potro I mean I'm sure you and Simon covered that um, no actually it, uh, not not the end of the match because that was the, the one interesting thing is Del Potro slightly got lost in all this because yeah. you know it was all about Nadal at that moment wasn't it and I'm it, completely really? imposing my own um, script on this but I like to think that what Nadal was saying to him in those moments was that it's kind of okay to feel good about this. You know, you you deserve this regardless of how yeah. this particular moment has unfolded. You deserve to be in this oh, final right. and you should enjoy it. That's I think that what, is what he was saying. Yeah, I, I, yeah. let's just decide that that is what he said. Cause <laughs> it's a lovely ending to yeah, the film, isn't it? Isn't it? Um, and if that is what he said, then he's absolutely right. Yeah. It is. Uh, and um, so we've got Del Potter in the final. Simon reckons he's going to get overwhelming support in the final against Djokovic. He is. And Simon also thinks that that will make Djokovic even more dangerous. If one thinks back to three years ago and that I final. I think it'll make both of them more dangerous. Mm. Oh, we're going to get an absolute yeah. storm. You're right, though. I mean, you, you often cite that um, Djokovic-Federer final here mm. three years ago is sort of the worst example of a partisan crowd the worst yeah. manifestation of a partisan crowd that you can remember I don't think it'll be like that no um, because the it'll be more just joyous yes it'll be more Delpo. jubilant um, yeah. I think and, um, and I think possibly Djokovic will be more accepting of it um, yes I don't know about yeah. that I, 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 my sense is that he's just now in that zone of competitiveness now which is look it's fine to support the guy that's fine but don't go putting me off because if you do I'm just going to be wor- I'm just going to be sure even better will, though. do you think they will Delpo fans seem quite well behaved really. yeah I mean look I, I, th- I think they are quite well behaved but uh, and sometimes it's just the exuberance isn't it the yeah. determination that their man will win or yeah um, that day with Federer and Djokovic, remember there'd been like a four-hour rain delay and everyone had had mm. to wait. There was no roof. That was the last year with no roof. It was all, I don't know, it was, a, it was a perfect storm to create a sort of a cauldron. Plus, it was the way the thing was going. Djokovic was dominant, really. And then Federer managed to start coming back at him when it seemed all was lost. And then you sort of got this build-up of emotion yeah so he got not only the federal support he also got the underdog support yeah, and the, the yeah, neutrals so exactly a perfect storm so i think it will be overwhelming delpo support but i think it'll feel different um but Djokovic was so good tonight and he was, yeah. played a really good match he and did. was thumped he that- was thumped i found that a really uplifting performance from from Djokovic tonight because Nishikori threw everything he got at him and was really good I was somebody tweeted I think it was Hannah Wilkes she said I, I'm it, it was I think it was a set and six, two sets and, and four two and she was like is it weird that my te- my main take home from this match is I'm reminded how good Nishikori is yeah. and I was feeling the same I was like well obviously Djokovic is brilliant and yet I'm, I'm also thinking about how good Nishikori is and he's He's just not in the match. And how about in the second set when he just suddenly became Pat Rafter? <laughs> he <laughs> yes. went to the net like 14 times. And, and he's he been low. watching Serena last night? Do you well, think? that's what it felt like, you know, yeah. a, a tactical change. But this was 
oh dear, I've got absolutely thumped in the first set by going toe-to-toe with this guy doing what I do and he's better, so I'm going to have to go to the net. I didn't realise the guy could volley. He was an amazing volley. Have we ever seen it before? Maybe he didn't even know he could do it. it. It made me wonder. I know that that you know, according to the stats, the the victory Nishikori had over Nish, uh, over Djokovic here four years ago was an anomaly. He's lost the last thirteen matches against Djokovic since then. But it did make me wonder, David. I wasn't here that day. I was back in um, back home in London. But it's such a bad matchup for Nishikori. It, like exactly as we saw today, he can play his best. And it's just that bad matchup. It's Ferrer against Nadal, isn't it? It really doesn't matter how well he plays. What happened that day well, in 2014? I commentated he won on straight that. straight sets. And it was, you know how it's at points in this match today, you had those sort of ping-pong kind of rallies where they're both standing plumb on the baseline and just teeing off. And they've, they've got both such a sweet ball strike. It's so pure that it... It just feels like you're playing, a, watching a computer game going on. My recollection of that match, and I haven't looked at it since, I haven't watched it, I haven't looked at the stats, but my recollection of it is that we had a lot of that, and Djokovic was just a bit off. And I think he, I think to be honest, he he might have even taken him a little bit lightly, um, because look, 13 wins in a row since then. I think that that will never be forgotten for Djokovic that that happened. But on that particular day, bear in mind that I think the third set was 7-6 Nishikori, and that's where the match was decided, really. You know, because it was one set all, he it wins was, the tiebreak. It break. wasn't straight sets, right. Uh, it was four sets. Four sets. Um, Djokovic won a, I think he won a 6-1 set in the Chilich second set. It was the Federer that was straight sets, wasn't that's it? Right. That was the astonishing yeah, one. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah. um, oh, it's I, a 2014 reminiscer package. It is, yeah. David doesn't want to think about Chilich and Shikori ever again. No, that, that <laughs> one wasn't one of my personal highlights of my life as a tennis watcher. Uh, incidentally, Simon Briggs has just texted me and he said, actually, could you make a correction on my behalf? Novak dropped two sets, one in each of his first two rounds. Because we were talking about the run he's had. And of course, Fuchovic, he... That's and then right. who was... It was Tennis Sangren is the one we remember. And that was the one where he was furious at himself, yeah. wasn't he? Absolutely furious because that was a night session match. The conditions weren't quite as punishing as against Fuchovic. Yeah, and he was—he looked out on his feet. He yeah. looked done. I, I really—I think I tweeted at the time. He's in real trouble, Djokovic here, and he's vulnerable against Fuchovic in that second set. Couldn't see how oh, he could he recover. Was, it was the—it was the Tweety Pie face, wasn't it? The out for the you know the stars yeah. going around the head. And and today. I don't think I can imagine looking at a more focused, present player than Djokovic was today. There was nothing getting in the way of him today. Who's going to win then, David? I'd go, I'll go Djokovic. Uh, I've, do you know, I'm so full of it. I said Nadal would win the tournament. I said Djokovic, <laughs> Del Potter all the way through uh, has looked the best. Now I'm saying Djokovic. Let me sleep on this. I'm going to come back tomorrow and decide what I'm going to go for. Oh, and I can't protest because it's his birthday. Is it still? Oh, Just yeah. I've got 24 minutes to go. Just about. Okay, who's winning the women's final? Right. Um, have you already done this with Simon? No, I haven't. Because you can't have one prediction for each no. <laughs> segment of the show. What am I going to go for? Jimmy Ooh. Connors thinks Osaka. I'm going to go for Serena Williams. Yeah. I'm going to go for Serena. But... 
I don't feel emphatic about it at all. I've, I've, do you know what I was saying yesterday about how it, it seems to me that Sasha Bayan and their training regime has got Osaka behind every ball with this ability to move? That's the bit that makes me really doubt Serena winning this because the woman is such a good mover and she's so good at getting behind the ball and that is the key to extending rallies that you wouldn't otherwise be able to figure in. I feel the same just about Serena, but with not huge amounts of conviction. Um, and I hope I'm not just falling for the the fairy tale story. And and I think, you know, I, di- I, I, I didn't do that in Wimbledon and it was almost even more irresistible than Wimbledon. I am genuinely convinced by her level of play. Her level of play is good enough to win the US Open. Yeah. It's just that Osaka might be be even better you're right tomorrow. I mean actually Serena is playing close to her peak yeah right now yeah. a little like Djokovic and and well let's go back to the default Serena Williams best is the best and she's playing way better than she was at Wimbledon so yeah Serena will win the title I guess Serena and Delpo okay alright oh, even though I, I I think science says Djokovic but science told me Nadal and so anti-science has got me this far <laughs> get lost science um anyway <laughs> uh, so that's that's what's coming up um it's mixed doubles final tomorrow at 12 o'clock local time so 5 p.m uk that'll be on amazon prime won't yeah, it? yeah presented by me thanks jamie and bethany i'll be uh getting out of bed early for that oh Not, dear i don't mean to sound quite so resentful i'm i'm, <laughs> I'm very much looking forward to it i just wish it could start at 6 p.m yes <laughs> shame that oh well <laughs> that's the that's what happens in this tennis world um and then after that it is the is the women's singles final from 4 p.m local time 9 p.m uk again that'll be on amazon prime we'll be commentating on it as well on uh, bbc five live sports extra and incidentally at 10 o'clock so an hour later when the football finishes they've ditched 606 the phone-in show so that five live will be coming straight to the tennis i'm 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 so pleased about that yeah very cool very um, cool. I, I mean, 606 is enjoyable um, a lot of the time. Um, but the, uh, right call. Yeah, very right, right call. Well I'm done, really Five pleasing. Live. Yeah, so that's cool. So, Catherine will be back tomorrow. I'll be back tomorrow. We'll have a podcast afterwards and all that as well. Uh, we've been produced uh, in association with The Telegraph uh, and sponsored by Amazon Prime and The Manga Club. And our executive producers are Melanie Bowes and Triple S and tennisballs.com and our mascot is Charlie the Ferret and I'm going to drink this beer that champagne and eat those chocolates see you tomorrow normally being a little extra can be a bit much but when it comes to healthcare it pays to be extra and United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit UH1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 